Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to ESPN's Baseball Tonight Media Conference Call. Thank you to everyone who has joined and for your interest in ESPN's Major League Baseball coverage. We're here to discuss the start of the 2019 Major League Baseball season. Opening day is just a few days away. This Thursday, March 28th, uh, ESPN starts its coverage uh, before, prior to our New York Yankees-Baltimore Orioles game. Uh, on Thursday, we have three games that day uh, leading into the exclusive opening night telecast of the Boston Red Sox at Seattle Mariners at 7 p.m. Eastern. Overall, we have 14 Major League Baseball games uh, to start our season uh, across uh, the first week and a half. So for more details on our schedule and also baseball tonight, air dates, uh, please visit ESPNMediaZone.com. On the line today, uh, we have two Baseball Tonight analysts who are both World Series champions and both three-time Major League Baseball All-Stars, uh, Mark Teixeira and Ryan Howard. Thank you both for joining and for your time today. Uh, Mark, is starting <coughs> third season as an ESPN Baseball Tonight analyst, and we announced at the Baseball Winter Meetings in December that he had re-signed uh, with ESPN uh, in a multi-year deal. Uh, in addition to baseball tonight, Mark also uh, can be seen uh, contributing to SportsCenter, GetUp, ESPN Radio, and more. We're also excited to welcome Ryan Howard to ESPN. We announced last month that Ryan had joined the company as a Major League Baseball analyst. Uh, in addition to baseball tonight, Ryan will contribute commentary and insight to GetUp, SportsCenter, and additional platforms. Uh, so thank you both again for being here. We're looking forward to a terrific season of coverage. And uh, before we go into questions, uh, I just want to note how sorry we are to hear the sad news about the passing of longtime and uh, accomplished MLB reporter Marty Noble. Our, third, our, our thoughts are certainly with his family at this time. Uh, so with that, let's go into your questions. We'll start with Neil Best at Newsday followed by Andrew Marchand with the New York Post. Neil. Uh, this is for Mark. I need to ask you about your old position. Uh, what is your take on the Yankees' first base situation and what they should do or will do or can do in terms of those to dealing with those two candidates? Yeah, I think they have to let the, the beginning of the season play out. You know, these things tend to, to work themselves out, right, um, whether injury or or – Poor performance uh, by one of the guys is going to create a, an opening for the other. I mean, I think Greg Bird is probably the guy the Yankees want to see become an all-star. That's, that's the guy that the Yankees thought they had in, in Bird when he first came up. That being said, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and when he has been healthy, he's underperformed the last few years. So that opened up the opportunity for Luke Voigt, who completely um, kind of grabbed the bull by the horns last um, last season. And so... I think the Yankees are doing the right thing in having them both on the roster to start the season. Um, I, I don't mind Stanton playing the outfield a bunch, right? So, so if you open up the DH spot for one of those guys, um, you're going to get plenty of at-bats for, for Bird and Voigt. And, you know, once Hicks gets back healthy, uh, there'll be a decision to, to make. But until that time, the Yankees are going to play them both. Uh, if Bird can stay healthy, are you confident he's going to get this thing figured out? You know, that, that's a tough question. I'm a, I'm a huge Greg Bird fan, but um, 
you know, he just hasn't gotten it done yet, right? So, mm-hmm. so for me, I think Bird has much more to prove than Luke Voigt. Um, Luke Voigt, we know that he can have a couple months of sustained success at the big league level, um, and we know that he can stay healthy. I can't say that about, about Greg Bird right now, but we do know that Greg Bird has a ton of talent. And again, being a left-handed hitter at Yankee Stadium, I think the Yankees would prefer Bird to be the guy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Neil. Let's go to Andrew Marshand with the New York Post, uh, followed by Jerry Fraley with the Dallas Morning News. My questions are for Ryan. Ryan, uh, I have two questions. I'll just ask them uh, one at a time. Uh, just your first question is, just for you, either growing up or now, are there broadcasters, which broadcasters, any sport, do you look to and you say, you know what, I'd like to try to be like that person? <laughs> I don't know if you can really ever say you can try to be like that um, that person in particular. I mean, I grew up in St. Louis, so I got to uh, listen to Jack Buck um, with the Cardinals. And then, you know, obviously playing in Philadelphia, got um, got to have, you know, Harry Callis out there calling games. So, um, you know, it's tough to try to measure up to what those guys are doing. So, um, you know, try to take little tidbits as you can and just – Try to be yourself and have some fun with it. And then my second question, when you look at um, what you're trying to do as a former player, now an analyst, what are the goals for you when you're on the air uh, in terms of your analysis? I mean, my analysis is going to be, you know, basically just looking at whatever the situations are and just telling the real, telling the truth on the situation, Um, you know, from my point of view. I know same thing with, with Mark, you know, having been on the field now being in, in the analyst role, you know, we call it like we see it. We'll, but we'll also kind of throw some of the uh, different experiences that we had from playing and being out there, out there for the, uh, for the viewers as well. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Andrew. Let's go to Jerry Fraley with the Dallas Morning News, followed by Mark Narducci with Philadelphia Inquirer. Right. Thank you. Uh, this is for both gentlemen. Uh, guys, as you know, down here in Texas, Joey Gallo has a lot of power, 40 homers two years in a row. He's also had 403 strikeouts the last two years. When you both were young power hitters, did you have to find a balance between keeping your power but cutting your strikeouts or were strikeouts ever even in your mind? Ooh. You want me to take that one first, Mark? You can take it first, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, having having been a guy that was in that same situation, I guess early on with uh, with Gallo and having a lot of strikeouts early and people talking about the strikeouts, I think uh, the thing is, is you know, it's it's a part of the game. And when you're a guy who who hits for power, those those kind of things are going to happen. I think um, you know, coming up and playing early on, like that wasn't really my mindset in terms of, of trying to go out and hit home runs. I was trying to make good contact and, you know, unfortunately miss some, miss some pitches or whatnot. But, you know, every, every once and again, you got to try to cut it down, cut your swing down, um, put the ball in play. But it's a different era now of game than what it was when, you know, as we were playing, it started that transition to where, you know, strikeouts are obviously up. Batting averages are down for the most part and you have a lot to do those have a lot to do with shifts um, because when he is putting balls into play and he's not hitting them out of the park, 
you know, if he's hitting balls and losing hits in the shift, it's it can become uh, a little bit more difficult. And then you're looking at, well, he strikes out a lot and his batting average is down, but he's hitting 40 homers. So if you give him a fair shake and if you're playing on a normal playing field, what's his batting average if you take away the shift and, and his batting average on balls in play? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Hey, Jerry, um, from, hey, from my standpoint, it was a little bit different. I, I actually um, had to kind of learn my power in the big leagues, and, and I had a little bit of the opposite uh, problem. I didn't want to strike out, and so I was swinging at pitches I, and just kind of putting balls in play. And you know, I had guys like Buck Walter and Rudy Jaramillo tell me, hey, Tex, you know, a ground out uh, with two strikes does me no good. You know, get your pitch and still put a good swing on it. So – for me, I, you know, Joey Gallo hit, hitting, um, you know, in, in the low 200s and striking out 200 times honestly doesn't bother me because, because the guy walks 70-plus times a year. He's got a high OPS, you know, over 800. He's a guy that I think on the edges can get better, right? So don't tell him, Joey, don't strike out. You might tell him, hey, in certain situations, you might want to look at a different or look for a different pitch or, hey, this is – these are how guys are getting you out in certain counts. You know, m- maybe get a little smarter in, in your approach. So for me, Joey Gallo, the player, has huge upside. And on the fringes, I think he can get better. But I, I wouldn't want to take away his aggressiveness. And you, you definitely don't want to take away that power. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Good talking to you. You too, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Let's go to Mark Narducci with the Philadelphia Inquirer, followed by Jared Diamond with Wall Street Journal. Uh, hello, Ryan. I have a two-part question uh, for you. First off, um, you've always been very analytical when you analyze hitting and everything like that. What does it mean to you to get to a place like ESPN, such a visible platform, and, and stay so connected with the game? I mean, it's something that I've always grown up with, playing baseball. I mean, I've always loved baseball, always wanted to continue to be a part of it. So uh, this is another avenue for me to be able to do that, and uh, thoroughly excited for the opportunity. And second question, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask what you thought of the Phillies this year. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, totally didn't see that coming from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, no, man, I think they've, I think they've got – a, a great shot. I think lineup-wise, um, one through six, one through seven, um, they, I think they can go out there and pretty much hit with anybody. The biggest thing for me, the biggest concern for me is going to be their pitching. Obviously, you know, uh, Aaron Nola did what he did last year. If he's able to repeat that, um, you know, he's going to be in a good, they're going to be in a good position. Um, I think, you know, the other factors with Arietta. Arietta gets back to, to where he was when he won the Cy Young. Um, you know, you got two great starters up front. What where it comes to after that is going to be how is Pavetta going to perform or Eikhoff or, or Eflin um, to be able to pick that up as well as your bullpen and getting to the tail ends of your bullpen and closing games because that's where they had a lot of problems um, in the past was closing games out. They've always been in some games, but it's just a matter of, of being able to finish games, and I think – if they can figure that out, then they're going to be they're going to be just fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. 
You're listening to the ESPN Baseball Tonight media conference call with Mark Teixeira and Ryan Howard. Let's go to Jared Diamond with the Wall Street Journal, followed by J.P. Hornster with the Southern California News Group. Hey, I actually have a, a different question for both of you, um, but starting with, with Mark. Uh, Mark, I'm sure you, you know it's been 10 years since the Yankees won the World Series. You might remember 2009. Um that's a long time for the Yankees to go without winning a World Series. Uh, I'm wondering if someone that played in that organization for so long and knows the Steinbrenner family, what sort of, sort of pressure expectations are sort of on that organization at this point to end that drought, which for the Yankees is pretty much an eternity. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely pressure. I think this being Aaron Boone's second year, there's probably more pressure than there was the first year. Um, and especially with, with the Red Sox coming off their world championship, it, uh, it makes Yankees fans at least a little bit more, um, a little bit more uptight. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, it, you know, in the clubhouse, guys, while you want to win a World Series and while it is the main goal, you know, your focus is on that day's game. And so I think we probably blow the, um, the, uh, the pressure on the players out of proportion I think the pressure is more on the front office and, and, and management because, um, you know, Brian Cashman to me is, is one of the best GMs in baseball. He's created this, this roster in his own image, um, and now it's, now it's his turn to win, right, because a lot of, a lot of people say, well, the Yankees just bought, you know, most of their, their World Series and, you know, all you had to do was write checks. Well, that's not the case anymore. Everyone spends money now in baseball. So, um, I think that, that this year is, you know, the next few years really are going to be, that the pressure is going to be on Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone to say, hey, you know, this is the roster we wanted. This is a great team. Let's go out there and do it. Uh, because, you know, the Red Sox winning a few times in between the last Yankees championship doesn't sit well for, for the fans, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mark. Uh, and one for, for Ryan. Um, you, going across town to City Field, you played a lot of games in that ballpark, uh, mm-hmm. I think at least 50. And that's been a place for all hitters that's just been a, a nightmare to hit. And I'm wondering just what you remember about trying to hit there and, and what you think made it, made it so challenging, even after moving the fences in like they have, I think, twice. For City Field? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I, I would say, well, currently the tough thing about hitting that City Field is that rotation. <laughs> um, I mean, you're looking at Degrom, you're looking at Syndergaard, you know, and those guys. Um, I mean, those those guys can pitch, man. It's not an easy place to hit. Um, always loved playing there, playing in New York. Um, love the love the crowd and the crowd getting on you and whatnot. It's a tough place to play. It's a tough place to get out there and, and play. But um, you know, I think in terms of of that, you have to look at that rotation and what those guys have been able to do over the last few years. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Let's go to J.P. Hornstra with the Southern California News Group, uh, followed by John Assetti with Sports Business Daily. Thanks, Ben. Guys, question for both of you. Uh, Mike Trout held a press conference yesterday, and he talked afterward about what motivated him to sign a lifetime contract with the Angels. What he said was he saw what Bryce Harper and Manny Machado went through, and it, quote, drew a red flag for me. 
He said he talked to Manny and Bryce, and he described it, or they described it to him as a tough couple months in the offseason, and that put some perspective in his mind. I wanted to get your reaction to that quote. Did either of you have a similar experience as a free agent or as a player like Trout who was approaching free agency? Hmm. Rhino, were you, you on that one first? I was. I was after 16. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough situation. I mean, the game has obviously changed. I've had conversations with people about it before. Um, my last year in Philadelphia being in 16, you know, going to free agency for the first time for 2017 um, was definitely something that was different. In the past, you know, you would have guys like, Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, you know, get uh, get picked up before Christmas, maybe even Thanksgiving. You know, guys from then were telling me those guys wouldn't have been out there that long. But it's the, the game has changed, and, and the way that teams are going about signing people are, has changed. Um, you know, when you get to a situation like that to where not only have these guys not signed, but you're already, you know, a couple weeks into spring training – getting ready for – trying to get ready for a season. So now you're having to play catch-up. So I think with what Trout was saying in that manner, um, you know, definitely plays in – can definitely play into that and not wanting to have to go through that and sit there. And, you know, you want to – every every guy wants to get to that point to where, hey, when it's time to get paid, let me get paid so I can get out here and just focus on playing baseball. Now, now that my family and myself are taken care of for the rest of our lives, I just want to get out here and go focus on playing baseball. And instead of having to wait and wait and wait and not know what's going to happen, now you might get into another situation where you're a week or two out, you know, or into spring training trying to get ready for the season, and you're, now you're having to play catch-up. Yeah, I think from, from my perspective, <clears throat> you know, free agency can definitely be frustrating, can definitely be, um, you know, uh, stressful, all of the above. But, you know, Trout is, is in such a category of his own. He was going to get, you know, he was going to get paid no matter what. I, th- I think what yeah. probably he was saying was, I love it here in, in Anaheim. I mean, how, how can you not, you know, three, three of the best months of my career were, were in Anaheim when I played for the Angels. It's, it's a special place. And they gave him three, $430 million bucks, right? So, um, yeah. it's... Yeah, I kind of smile when I hear that quote because it's not like he took a $100 million pay cut, right? I mean, it, he, he already had a bunch of, bunch of money. He's done very well for himself, and the Angels are offering him a lifetime contract for a whole bunch of money. It's just a win-win for Mike Trout, and um, he's saying, you know what? I don't need the, the stardom, and I don't need the, um, the thrill of free agency. I'm happy where I am, and um, I saw Bryce and Manny sweat it out. I don't want to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to John Assetti with Sports Business Daily, followed by Gabrielle Starr from A Girl at the Game. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you for doing the call. I have a question for each of you. Ryan, I'll start with you. Uh, I'll keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Why ESPN? <laughs> Why not ESPN? It's the greatest place to be, man. Um, no, I mean, the, the, the opportunities that presented themselves, uh, being able to go and do some stuff on some of the other shows and whatnot, 
Um, I just thoroughly enjoyed my time over at ESPN. And, uh, you know, the feelings were mutual, and um, here we are. And then, Mark, what are you looking forward to or what are you looking to do differently uh, with this season, having done this for a, a little bit? Um, I'm not looking to do anything different. I'm, I won't be doing anything different. I just I enjoy the heck out of what I do. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I joke around to people. Uh, if I knew I could go to the All-Star Game and World Series every year, I'd have retired a lot earlier and signed with ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's that's the truth. I mean, the the most fun I have is is opening day, the All Star Game, and uh, and playoff time and World Series. Getting to be on the field before and after World Series games, and getting to watch the teams celebrate. It's just super cool. And um, so I I don't want anything to change. I, I want to keep this run going. Thank you. all Thank you, John. I should mention that there will be a transcript uh, available. Uh, this evening of today's media conference call. Uh, we'll continue with uh, Gabrielle Starr from Girl at the Game, and then uh, we'll go back to uh, Neil Best at Newsday for a follow-up. Gabrielle. Hey, guys. Thanks for being on the call. Um, this question is for both of you. You're both World Series champs, and actually you were World Series champs in back-to-back seasons, but, of course, with different teams. No team has repeated since the Yankees in the late 90s um, and I'm wondering if you guys can speak to the difficulty of being on teams that have tried to repeat and couldn't and whether or not you think the Red Sox will be able to do it this year. Uh, you want that one first, Mark? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I'll, I'll take it first. Uh, I mean, go from, for it. from my standpoint, I, first of all, it's just really hard to win a World Series. So the odds are against mm-hmm. you right from the beginning, even if you have the best roster to start the season. Chances are injuries and, and other factors. Um, the best roster isn't always, you know, or the best roster in April isn't always the best roster in October. So it's really hard to win no matter what. And then to repeat, you know, I just feel like you're always comparing yourself to to the best. And it's like, well, you know, last year we didn't do this, or last year we did that, or well, this was successful, let's, so let's try that. Um, and that's not necessarily the best way to play baseball on an everyday basis. Um, it, it's just very difficult to um, to compare yourself to something that happened the year before and, and ultimately ended in a championship. So it just makes repeating very difficult. Yeah, I would I would agree with what Mark said. Um, I mean, obviously, with us winning in 2008 and then facing those guys in 2009. I mean, sometimes you know, like you said, the rosters are just different. Um, you know, you can make a couple changes here and there to where it's hard to get back because, number one, once you win that first year, everybody is gunning to come and get you. You're going to get everybody's best every single year. Plus, you know, things that may happen in the off season in terms of uh, you've got a shorter rest period, you've got, you know, all these different things or potential appearances and all that kind of stuff that back up to, to spring training and as you're getting ready for the season. So, um, there's a lot of different factors that can kind of go into it, but it's yeah, it's extremely hard to try to to go out there and, and repeat because teams are going out there and they're getting better each each year. Great, thanks so much, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Gabrielle. Uh, Thirty minutes goes by fairly quickly here, but we have a couple of follow-ups. We're going to go to Neil Best with Newsday, followed by Andrew Marshan with the New York Post. 
Uh, for Mark, you already sort of answered this with your super cool comment, but, but compared to two years ago when this announcing thing was kind of an unknown for you, and now, you know, you seem to be enjoying it and you're, you've re-signed. I mean, that, has it been different than what you expected, easier, harder? Just what, what's it been like when you look back to what you thought it would be two years ago? That's a good question. I think um, I think I've I just tried to be to be very natural and reactive um, to kind of to Ryan's point at the beginning of of the call. You got to just call it how you see it, and you know if that means being critical of somebody, if that means sounding like a homer. You know, I get I get uh, accused by Yankee fans of being a homer one day and then being critical. You know, be, you know be, being against them and be, uh, the next day, right? But the, the fact of the matter is, is is I've I've kind of settled into a really nice rhythm of just being natural, watching the games, watching the stories unfold, and giving my opinion um, very ob- objectively. Not not trying to play favorites, just trying to go out there and um, and have fun and do my job and be entertaining. I mean, I think that's one thing that you do have to you have to try to entertain. Um, and and hopefully, I'm doing a good job of that. Do you have any aspirations to do games versus, you know, the studio stuff? No, I mean, I honestly, I don't want to work any more than I already do. And um, ESPN, you know, my, my family is very important to me. And ESPN has been great about uh, letting me kind of um, make my own schedule around their major events. It's like, hey, Mark, we need you Sunday nights. We need you for All-Star Game. We need you for playoffs. And then we'll fit you in some other things um, around uh, around that but um kind of being a broadcaster and sitting in the booth and kind of doing that uh i did it once last year and it was fun but i i don't really see that being in in my future thank you thank you neil and we'll finish up with a follow-up from andrew marshand with the new york post hey mark uh just a question for you uh, in terms of where the labor negotiations are, are going, what's your take on, you know, where you think things are headed between uh, the two sides you know, as we look towards the new CBA? Uh, what's going on, Andrew? Um, listen, I, I think this is a very weird time for baseball in that um, my entire career, pretty much my entire career, was, was pretty calm. We didn't have, I think, the biggest – uh, the biggest thing that we fought with owners about um, for different reasons was um, was drug testing and and the the right way to implement drug testing players were all for it, but we didn 't want it to be um, you know super in, intrusive on our daily lives and I think that 's what you 're going through today right I mean players want the game to grow, want the game to get better, but they don 't want things that are going to intrude on on their daily routines and how they go about playing the game. So you really hear guys um, talking about pitch clocks and, you know, not being able to, uh, you, you know, really do what they normally do on the mound. Though, I think those are the things, the on-the-field things are the, are the big issues. The money stuff, the, the contract stuff, I don't see a lot changing. I think the market is the market. I think – you know, certain free agent years are better than others. I think teams value players differently. Uh, I do think the the big fights are going to be over uh, these on the field issues that that owners, some owners and MLB want to change, and players kind of want the status quo. And you think, but you think free agency, like a guy like Kimbrel, of course, and then what we saw this off season, especially with the middle class, 
you don't think there's something that needs to be tweaked or that the players are going to really want to tweak because it seems as if if you don't get the free agency, you know, before age 27, 28, you're really in kind of a limbo where what you've done, you might miss out, you know, in terms of getting paid what you probably should uh, because of, you know, your age. So you don't think the players maybe will want to adjust that? Oh, of course players would want to adjust that, but what are you going to have to give up? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's the fact of the matter is the owners, the owners are in a good position saying the market's the market. I mean, listen, the, in, in the, this offseason, we saw a $430 million extension, a $330 million free agent deal, a $300 million deal. The, the, the market is rewarding great players. What the market is not rewarding are um, average players that are getting older. And, you know, what, what are players going to do? I mean, are, are, they, are you going to strike over the – the, the fourth outfielder because he didn't get a three-year deal. He only got a one-year deal. I just don't see that happening. So, again, the, the baseball is, is adjusting to analytics, and when you look at two players and you take their name away from, from their bio and their stat sheet, and I say, oh, my goodness, why am I paying this guy or why is, it, why is this guy asking for $15 million a year for five years when it says he's, he's worth less than half of that on paper? Um, that's what the computers are telling me. So, I, I don't. I don't see a, a lot happening from a um, you know free agency arbitration that kind of that kind of standpoint. Catch you. Thanks. Have a good season. Thanks, Andrew. Terrific. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you to everyone who joined today's call. We're going to call it there. Uh, thanks to Mark and Ryan for their time today. Again, uh, we'll have a transcript available on ESPNMediaZone.com. Uh, in just a couple of hours, and you can also get more details on our baseball tonight uh, and overall Major League Baseball coverage, especially as it pertains to the start of the season here this week. So thanks again, and everybody have a great day. Appreciate it.